0: Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And here we are again. Yeah, we're doing a thing with the stuff. Yeah, beautiful day in the neighborhood. What can I tell you? What's up with mm-hmm. you, man? What's what's new with uh, the dog and, you know, your, your, the bears? And give me a story <laughs> from Vancouver.
1: I don't know the bears hibernated this year. We had a pretty mild winter. So, I have gotten a few bear clips through the winter, which is weird. You know, that happens. Bears only hibernate when they can't find food. And as long as people are putting out garbage, they can find food. Right. But uh, the old dog, uh, I didn't know if he was going to make it through the winter. He really faded this year. It's been yes. tough. But uh, he'd been having seizures. And we got new meds for him at the beginning of the year, right at the beginning of January. And now it's been two months. So, it's the longest stretch since he started, since he's had a seizure. But he's um, he's fading. He's a daughtering old man now. He gets lost in the house. I find I've, Every so often, I find him in a corner, just like not able to get out of the corner.
0: How old is he in human years? Uh,
1: well, he's 16 in doggy years, which is old for a dog. But yeah, they, the vet was saying he's like an 85 year old man who, you know, is in
0: pretty good shape. But you know, stuff's starting to break. So, um, do you, do you guys do, you probably can't do maple sugaring there because if you hang a bucket, uh, on a tree for sap, the bears probably come along and take that, don't they? Well, that and, and,
1: and sugar maples don't grow here. Oh, they don't? We have we you no, know, we have maple trees, but not that kind of maple tree.
0: Really? Yeah, wow. it's an East Coast thing. Yeah. I had no idea. I mean I ah, okay. Learn something new every day.
1: Yeah, we do we do alder
0: syrups. So
1: if you're if you really like maple syrup and you want a version that tastes terrible, alder syrup. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. Just don't bother. Alder syrup and birch syrup, <laughs> they're both terrible. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, you could make it, it's the same, you know, the same kind of sappy wood that just don't come up with the same kind of flavor.
0: Okay. I'll remember that next time I'm in Vancouver and Yeah. Sh- I'll get you off. a
1: bottle of alder syrup. You can put it on your shelf and never touch it again.
0: Is it not sweet or it just tastes horrible? It's not sweet. Yeah. Uh-huh. And
1: it's very minerally, but huh. I mean, I find maple syrup generally too sweet. So, yeah. I would like a milder syrup, but they're quite strong flavors. It's just, it's the nature of it. You know what alder's great for?
0: Smoking salmon. Mm, That's what you do There you go Yeah Awesome Well uh, it's time for Better know a framework Before we bring Mads on So roll the crazy music Awesome All right dude What do you got? Oh man I was enjoying that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You probably know Because you're my friend But I've had sleep apnea For a while Yes. Yes. I have slept in a room with you on your machine for that right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's lots of fun. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, it turns out there's an application out there that you can use to um, analyze the data from your CPAP machine. Cool. And uh, most CPAP machines, the ResMed ones anyway, that are very popular, they have a little SD card in them and they – write down all the 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 telemetry from your sleep nice and uh, you're supposed to bring that into your doctor every once in a while and they look at it and if they see any problems blah 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 some of them even automatically transmit the data they have little modems in and they transmit the data to your doctor's office but somebody hacked the data format And figured out how to show it in graphs, and they made an open source project called Sleepyhead. Cool. And so, yeah, and so this being uh, 1732, if you go to 1732.pwop.me, you'll actually not come to Sleepyhead, but there's a link to it there. But it's the rise and fall of Sleepyhead, how community-backed CPAP hacking got jeopardized. It's actually a story of intrigue and backstabbing and hostile takeovers and stuff. And it got so bad that the guy who wrote Sleepyhead, basically, if you go to the Sleepyhead page, which is Sleepyhead.Jedimark.net, Sleepyhead Project has shut down after repeated hostile takeover attempts, undermining, betrayal Torrents of abuse. I have no desire to continue subjecting myself to working under those conditions. No free and open source software developer should have to endure that. And so you can still get it. You can still download it. You can download it for Windows, for Mac, for Ubuntu. Uh, and he's even got the, the the GitHub repo up there, but he's done. Done. That's really because it's it's an open source project. So
1: like Anybody could take a copy and do what they want with it, anyway. Right. Like, I don't understand how he feels so attacked. How do you get it stolen when you're giving it away?
0: Yeah, you got to read the story. So yeah. Uh, it, but on February eighth, twenty nineteen, he shut it down and um, said, "I have or at no." Least stopped working. He on it. stopped I mean, working the project's on it. Still there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So there you go. However, I have used it and it is very, very helpful. Um, I found. Right. Out that, you know, I had some events in the middle of the night where I was uh still um, you know what happens is your airway gets uh clogged, which you will so you it gets closed. So you your right. your muscles relax and your airway gets closed, so the CPAP machine blows air down your throat, your down your esophagus to keep it open. Your esophagus? No, your bronchial tube. Although right. some does go down your esophagus and you wake up with horrendous sure. burps. Um, yeah. but, but so what I did was I set up, um, my, my phone on a camera timer to like every five minutes, take a picture. And then I correlated that with the events in the, in the, the CPAP data and blood sugar data too, which I find has been very strange. Interesting. And yeah. So for any kind of self hacker, you can still go get sleepyhead, but, but first read the story cause it's priceless. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. It's
1: very odd to, to, to be, I, I get that, that open source maintainers take abuse. There's no two ways about right. that. But when you publish all your source code, the idea that someone else would take that source code to do something with it should not be offensive. Right.
0: No, it's true. Because you published all the source code, dude. Like that's the point. Right. Right. Well, anyway, there it is. Enjoy it. Awesome. Know it, learn it, love it, have a good read. And if you've got uh, apnea, good luck. It's, uh, it's good stuff. There's a there's a the
1: overarching story which is like yeah your medical professional should have access to your data because you're a medical professional but I I really think there needs to be laws in place that say hey you know who else should have access to your medical data
0: you you yeah (laughs) exactly that how about you should have a copy of all of your data and you have a right to all of that I totally agree that's you know welcome to America. Welcome to the United States of America.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know that the, those laws are clearly outlined everywhere else in the world either. I don't know. That people have a right to their medical information. All right. Let me uh read a comment here. This yeah, is from go show sixteen thirty-nine, one we did with Mads Christiansen the last time we talked to him, which was June of twenty nineteen. That we turned into a geek out of all things about home automation, because mm-hmm. that's where the conversation went and we had a great time doing it. And uh, there are some great comments off the show. This is from Mark McFadden, uh, again, a couple of years ago now. He says, another great show, guys. When considering home automation or any new technology in one's busy life, the challenge is not to make the customer alter their habits and lifestyle to make the technology work, but rather to have the technology work for them and their current life habits. Right. And Carl was correct when he stated, now you're imposing rules on lifestyle to appease the technology. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. (laughs) <laughs> I think this is the crux of what most mortals face when considering a new technology. Of course, they are thinking, why should I have to change this to take advantage of something new? It's the primary challenge for home automation specifically and technology in general. And so when implementing ideas, how do we accommodate our users' existing lifestyle patterns and habits? There is also a social aspect of home automation in tech. Carl's mentioned the song, using the song Freebird as a weapon is a prime example. <laughs> We will you play fi- been on fire that day.
0: We'll play FreeBird, but it'll cost you ten thousand dollars in cash
1: right. up front. <laughs> and moreover, the only way we can make home auto automation in tech with less friction is trial and error. Yeah. In other in other in other words, uh this topic, it this is something that you have to consider because the customer, being the other folks in your house, mm-hmm. is both complex and not easy to navigate. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I got to admit to Mads, too, like I got bitten by the home assistant bug. You talk about open source and home automation, and it now means you're tinkering with your house all the time. That being said, she who must be obeyed has enjoyed many of the features. Uh, and it's, but it is, you know, it's one of those things where you sort of put it out there, you explain what it is, and then you see how they use it. And then you adapt to how it actually gets used. So, Mark, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Go by is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Go by, write a comment on the website at dotnetrocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there. And if
0: you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Go by. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet before the Bears get to it. <laughs> I don't watch after them Bears. <sighs> Poor old Bears. Them Bears. And that brings us to our guest today. Mads Christensen is a program manager on the Visual Studio team at Microsoft with the privilege to work with the extension community and ecosystem. He's an avid extension writer himself with over a 100 published extensions to the Visual Studio marketplace. And before joining Microsoft, he spent a decade as a web developer working at both startups and enterprise companies. His wife and two young sons all enjoy and support his adventures in the world of home automation. Welcome back, Mads. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You bet. Welcome back.
1: You're not in the home assistant trap yet, are you, Mads?
2: No, you know, I don't think I will ever go down that path, um, simply because that I think it will be all-consuming. My time will, it would be a a time sink, and you know what I really want? I want plug-and-play I want it to just work. I want it to be managed by someone, not me, Yeah, yeah. you know, someone that's automatically updating everything and, and I just want to be the kind of the consumer that sets up the rules for home automation, but not kind of necessarily write everything and maintaining everything uh, down to the minute detail. You
0: want the Mac of home automation?
2: Well, I want the... Well, mm-hmm. I want the Visual Studio. The ah, home very I good. Want, I, that's much more of a Swiss eject. army
1: knife, right? Like, that's a lot of, yeah. a, you know, I, it's a lot of things. The thing I, I would say in favor of Home Assistant is because it is an open source project and has hit that threshold now where there's enough people being paid to maintain it that it looks really sustainable, it's not bound to any vendor stack. So, in, you know, as Home Automation is is like you've got to kind of pick Amazon or Ring, you know, or, or, or Amazon with Ring or Google with Nest. Like, because those two don't get along, right? Are you putting Alexa in the house, or you're putting Google Home in the house? Because nobody's putting Cortana in the house. So, it, you know, and once you go down one of those stacks, you really can't cross stacks. What the Home Assistant guys have done a decent job of is abstracting that, so that you can make those things yeah. work better.
2: There, that, there's several uh, hub manufacturers or whatever that that navigated that pretty pretty well. Uh, Home Assistant is one, right? Um, I think Home is another one that Home doesn't Seer, get a Hubitat. lot of mention. Yeah, uh, and of course, uh, Samsung Smart Things, which is the biggest one, and then Hubitat, which mm-hmm. is sort of the newcomer. That's kind of interesting. That sits maybe in between Smart Things and Home Well. System.
1: The rumor is that the Smart Things is in trouble. That Samsung is going to walk away.
2: We don't know. Huh.
1: Yeah. We don't know. Well, since what? since uh, Amazon started putting uh, into Alexa a a Zigbee hub. The whole smart things hub thing is like, why would you do this? You already own one.
2: Mm. Um, no, no, no. So that's what I do. Yeah, I actually started with Alexa. Mm-hmm. I like how you say Alexa. That. Yeah,
1: I I, yeah. I learned that from the YouTubers. It's like how you don't okay. trigger things. Yeah, but yeah, we are right. in
0: this show, we like to trigger them. You know. Yeah, we're, and we're I, I won't. I won't do it. I promise. I, trying to be a good citizen. I won't say Alexa, delete all my files. I won't do it. <laughs> Just
2: saying. <laughs> but for. But for uh, but she's very limited in what mm-hmm. she can do, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't really do any complex rules. It's really, it's not useful for anything, really, really, except for turning lights off with your voice. Which is like, why would the, you do that?
1: The simplest thing of them all, and, and the least interesting. Yeah,
2: it's the least interesting, but it's also not very useful. No. Like yeah. it's like it's just a it's just a switch that you use with your words, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that's not home automation. Home automation: the lights should come on automatically when they're needed. Yeah, yeah. And so the more you go down, the more you look at the at it from that perspective. Like you want it has things has to be automated. The least dependent you are on a voice assistant like Alexa or or the Google one.
1: The only time I see the voice assistant popular in my house is in the scenarios where your con- your hands are busy. Yeah. So cooking. Being able to close the garage as you carry groceries
0: in—that's mm. a good one. That's a good one.
1: Being able to turn on the news in the kitchen while you're cooking. Yeah. That's a good one. Or asking for, like the, you know,
0: metric to imperial conversions because, yeah. you know, I have to do that.
2: Yes. I do that too. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: The, yeah. Those are the those are the ones that seem that that I I see her use. That's to me. Like, I'll use anything. I'm a goof, right? I'm going right. to try all the things, right? But sitting down and doing the programming to be able to – she also liked turning on the fireplace without picking up the remote, <laughs> which was a pain in the ass to program. But boy, that – you know, those – it's interesting to see which ones she actually wants to use. Yeah. And those are the ones. But, they you know, she she appreciated the other day. It's like, hey, you know what? The outdoor lights and the blind go down, uh, turn on, and the blinds go down at sunset. Yeah. Right. With no work by you. It yeah, just that's happens. nice. And the other one she noticed that I slipped in and didn't tell her about was the getting a drink of water can't, light. So, the rule is if you trigger a motion sensor in the great room and it's after midnight and there are no lights on then turn on these two lights very dimly for the next five minutes. So, enough time for you to go in, get a glass of water, go back out, and they shut themselves off.
2: And that's impossible to do. If you only have a Leca or, or Google Home, you can't do a rule like that with multiple yeah. if statements. Hmm. And so, you need something like Home Assistant or uh, Samsung or Hopitat. Yeah. Hmm. And that's um, where
1: you get into that. That's the level of sophistication yeah. where you're like, okay, now
0: I have a thing. Can, am, I the only, right. am I the only one that has problems in every automated bathroom that I go into like the you know you put your hand under the sink and you get a spurt of water and then it just nothing and you have to take your hands out like this and then put them back under and then get another 15 second squirt of water
1: it's the sink prayer ritual right (laughs) you put it in you put it out oh wait it's the hokey pokey and then you walk away and and it's like yeah uh, that's just the gods of vengeance and irony after you, Carl.
0: It's just that, and then oh, and then here's another one. You you go to a stall. You're the only one in there, right? And you're you know you're reading through
2: your phone. All of a sudden, and the lights go off. What the hell? We need a have you seen Have you seen those new a methane detector? Uh, smart faucets that are out there where you can like you wave your hand over uh, over the faucet, like in your kitchen, and then water comes out. They're the most annoying things ever. You never know when it comes on because there's still the, the manual shut off. So if you left it shut off w- on the handle, then you can't like wave your hand over it to let water come out because it's manually shut off. Right. Huh. It's like the opposite of good design. No, and, and when it comes to like a smart home things, it's like so frustrating. That's, I mean, that's dumb, the home. same
1: thing with the bad light switches, right? It's like if you fl- actually flip the switch off, then the automation doesn't work anymore. <laughs> that's a bad right. design.
2: <laughs> yes. Never do that, people.
0: All right. Have we complained enough? (laughs) Let's talk Visual Studio, man. Yeah. Yeah, you have a real job. I think so, yeah. (laughs) Some days it
1: feels like it, some days it doesn't. Well, you used to be our extensions guy. Like, we count on you to talk about extensions. That's what you've always done. But have you shifted roles Mm -hmm. now?
2: Yeah, I'm actually officially not on the extensibility team anymore, even though... From the outside, it might be hard to uh, believe because I still I have a YouTube show where I write extensions every Friday. Wow. That's <laughs> and great. So I'm still very much <laughs> engaged. I just can't not yeah. write extensions. And um, so it's still the, the same sort of uh, platform team, sort of the core of Visual Studio, that team. Um, but now it's more concentrated on customer feedback. So one of the things I've always been like really interested in is making sure that visual studio actually meets the needs of the customers and that whenever people find that their workflows change and they want visual studio to change with it to make them as productive as possible and so on that visual studio will actually allow them to do that and um hopefully we will have the product ready to those changes before you need them right uh and of course that's really hard because with millions and millions of users everyone is moving in their own unique direction so that's almost by definition impossible to do. But I think there are some some trends we want to follow and we want to be listening to what uh, our customers are saying, our users, how they use the product. And so how do you translate like patterns of usage through telemetry and all that sort of stuff with whatever they say when they reach out to us on developer community or Twitter or Stack Overflow or wherever it might be. Boil all that together, all those data points, all that signal and then figure out, okay, I think we need to invest in an area over here. We need to invest more in, you know, debugging uh, certain types of application on right. ARM64 or whatever, right? Now, isn't um, there
1: great instrumentation in Studio for you to sort of, if we opt in to see what you how you were using Studio?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. But that doesn't tell you about how you want to use it in the future or what you can't do right. today. Right. And so you have to, like, you have to have multiple data sources to get a fuller, more accurate picture.
0: You need to have a, uh, you know, when you close Visual Studio... You need to have a little, like, clippy thing that says, hey, I see you're closing Visual Studio. Did you have a good experience or a bad experience?
2: I know that, right? <laughs> it's like every time you go to the store, yeah. you get an email afterwards asking you how your experience was. Right.
0: <laughs> right. I bought a battery.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I was happy. Then this stupid message arrived.
0: But you know it'd be, I'm
1: never going back.
0: It would be good to find a way to figure out how, you know, people got so far with their app and then just closed it and why. You know, of course yes. you can't do that without a stupid survey, but it'd be that'd be right. good so information to have.
2: I think everyone hates surveys and we we really use them quite a bit. Yeah. So I hope that people w- will continue to give us their, you know, their answers. I got it.
0: Hey, Visual Studio is not free. If you'd like to continue to use it, answer this survey. Otherwise, you're going to have to pay, 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 pay.
2: Carl, you should be a, uh, you should be a program manager on the Visual Studio See? team. <laughs> you just got to get to be a little evil, Matts. I think you're too nice. You know let the Maybe
0: evil come out.
2: I don't, I don't know if the users thinks that we're too nice, uh, popping up all those notifications. Hey, yeah. what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Um, so, we're actually looking into, like, limiting the amount of notifications that we uh, that we give users. Right. Um, it's an it's a, actually a very fun and interesting challenge to figure out um, how to do it. I, how I to do not like
1: the idea of if, if I'm much. in a workflow, right? Like, if I'm mm-hmm. cooking along, don't interrupt me. But if you can also tell when someone's lost. Like, if they're trying to find something and you're just sort of, you know, stumbling... Like if someone's using the mouse and highlighting stuff on the toolbar and stuff, that's where a pop-up would probably help. Like, you know, I'm trying to find something. Can I help you? As opposed to, I'm using the alt keys, man. I know where I'm going. Don't interrupt me.
2: Yeah, and we know like when you're idle and we can say, okay, how long have you been idle and stuff like that? We have all this already to to do something like that. And
0: another good idea for Visual Studio, uh, music to code by play button. Yeah. How about that? Hey,
2: that's an extension idea. Just like yeah. put
0: that in there. Boom. Start.
2: That wouldn't be, that would be pretty easy. Just put a uh, play button on the toolbar, right? right? Next to uh, the undo button or something like that.
0: Yeah. And you you think you're going to run your application, but no, here comes some elevator music for you. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: well, I think as soon as a code window opens, the music should Absolutely.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about automation. That's yep. good. Well, it's like hey my code has a theme song <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm opening up a driver and the Empire march starts okay I've written that kind of code <laughs> go
2: to the marketplace and see what's there people have done some pretty hilarious things there's also there's all sorts of sound extensions okay. and and other things so oh, Interesting. Yeah. no sad yeah.
1: trombone comes up a lot when I use visual <laughs> <a social> studio <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah no we actually do have like um Carl, to your point, like when when people uninstall Visual Studio, which you probably you've probably never done uh, before, so yeah. you wouldn't know this. Hard
1: drive fails before I uninstall Studio. That's I not how yeah. works. I
0: only upgrade. Yeah, I have never uninstalled Studio unless it was a preview version.
2: Yeah, right. so we actually do have an uninstall survey, so we do understand a little bit about why. What are the situations that make people uninstall Visual Studio? Mm. Um, for instance, to your point from earlier, right? To understand what why were they not successful, or what are the what are the problems, and how can we? Yeah help improve it right and so again it's just multiple data sources to to do this and i think that's a really interesting thing because in my over 10 or around 10 years now of writing extensions it's uh there's a very direct feedback loop from writing extensions giving them out to users having them use it and then work with them on github with issues and back and forth on twitter like iterating on it to make it the perfect feature right yeah make it as natural Mm -hmm. inside visual studio as possible make it seem like a good part of your workflow and so on solving a problem and so how do you take something like that that is very that doesn't have a great scale like an a single person like me with a with a bunch of people out there how do you how do you translate that into something that works on the whole scale of of visual studio itself Mm -hmm. and not just a single little workflow or something that i'm personally interested in and so I think there's some there's some great learnings from from that and then we just need to figure out how to scale that up and so that's part of what I'm working on and uh, and it's absolutely fantastic. There's nothing I love more than being like hanging out with the uh, with users and uh, and figure out how we can make Visual Studio better together. It sounds super cliche but it's the truth.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I get that and certainly my experience working with you you're totally into that like absolutely it's not cliche you mean it Mm.
2: yeah 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 it's 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 what makes me uh get up in the morning you know Mm -hmm. it's um it's it's very rewarding but also like it's weird because i'm i think i'm an introvert but i'm like when it comes to like talking to people about visual studio i'm definitely not yeah
1: Yeah. there's certain things right
2: yeah you've
1: got to have a sense then of the diversity of people that use studio too
2: yes and it's it's actually very interesting people People have, we get a bunch of feedback. Of course, we get uh, like 3000 pieces of feedback to the developer community every month. Wow. So that's people either requesting a feature or uh, opening a, a problem mm-hmm. report. Mm-hmm. And they always have like this. Um, typically when we close something down or whatever and they complain like, why did you close this down? Everybody wants this or no one wants uh, this other thing that you prioritized over yeah. what I wanted. And, and I think it's hard people seems like at least there's some people seem to believe that there is a generic visual studio user
1: yeah there's one way to use studio yeah,
2: yeah. and there's just not and we can see when we do like these lab uh, user lab studies when we have people sitting in a lab and we actually look at what they do where they look on the screen where they click you know we give them some tasks and we see how they do it we are surprised again and again and again at how people do the same things. I'll give you a, a super simple example. These are people that have used Visual Studio for like over three years, I think. And we had them in. And one of the things we wanted them to do was like build a simple console application on .NET Core, something like that. Um, and I forget exactly what it was we, we we wanted them to do. But one of the things that they showed us was, how do you guys, let me just ask you two, when you want to build your project let's say you have a console lab and you want to build it how do you do it how do you build like what literally do you what do you click on or do you keyboard shortcuts what do you do
0: i usually right click on the project or the solution and say build or rebuild depending on how dirty i think it is
2: (laughs) yeah 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 or f5 yeah yeah all right i personally use control shift b that's my keyboard shortcut. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> right? Well, that's not my personal. That's Visual Studio has that shortcut for building.
1: Has that shortcut. Where is it from? Like F5 is literally out of original Visual Basic. But that's right? for running. Yeah. Not just for building. Yeah, not for building.
2: Yeah. So, but what we found out is like there's a whole lot of people that takes their mouse <laughs> cursor, goes up to the top level menu under the build menu and go down and click build. Build. Right. And... Not in a million years would I have guessed that that is as normal as it is. Hmm. Yeah. It was, we didn't, we didn't study how people build. We just studied how they're using Visual Studio and you get to learn stuff like this.
1: Yeah. And people don't know control shift B. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. So everyone does it differently. You think you know what the right workflow is and everyone is crazy for not doing it the same way I do. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's just, it's very clear that. Even though we can say there are categories of users, like there's .NET users, there's C++, there's web developers, there are certain categories, maybe, um, that that is not very accurate. That is not a very accurate way to say that. Um, it is almost like we have to, on a per individual basis, um, we used to have personas hanging on the wall. Remember when that was a big oh deal, like 10,
0: 15 years, Mort- years ago? I've been called Mort a
1: and lot. Elvis and Einstein and... How to insult your entire customer base in one easy lesson. Yeah. No, I remember that exactly.
2: one. Exactly. And so um, we still operate with some of that sometimes um, depending on the team or whatnot. But um, it just became pretty clear that it's almost impossible to put anyone into one of those personas. You're always a combination of multiple or, or none. You right. don't fit into any of them. And so it's it's very very bizarre and th- I think it's just because Visual Studio is so feature rich and complex and lets you do so many different types of app mm. development that it's just o- almost impossible to say the typical user like you we can't say mm-hmm. that the typical yeah, no user such does that yeah yeah you know. Where I think for a lot of other apps maybe the whatever you know the audience what what they work on like in their apps you know you might have a typical user or a typical bucket of like two, three different types of users or something like that. Uh, but I don't think we can say that for Visual Studio. We can categorize in many different ways, but when it comes to user patterns, no.
1: And not with a product that's this old, that's had that has users that have you literally used it for 20 years, mm-hmm. right? They, they, and are going to have their own sorts of things. Like you, there's no way around it. Plus, it's also the nature of the app. Like VS Code's not that old, but try and categorize a VS Code user. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same problem. Yep. They're all over the map.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess we should interrupt for one moment for this very important message.
0: This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our friends at ExpressVPN. So how did you choose which internet service provider to use? The sad thing is most of us have very little choice because ISPs operate like monopolies in the regions they serve. Then they use this monopoly power to take advantage of customers. Data caps, streaming throttles, the list goes on. But worst of all, many ISPs log your internet activity and sell that data on to other big tech companies or advertisers. To prevent ISPs from seeing my internet activity, I protect all of my devices with ExpressVPN. So what is ExpressVPN? It's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure virtual private network server so that your ISP can't see any of your activity. So I recommend ExpressVPN as the best way to hide your online activity from your ISP. You just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell off your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash right now to learn more. And we're
1: back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Hey, hey. And here's our friend, Maz Christensen, who is uh, caring about the feedback mechanisms. Uh, yeah, right. So, I always think about user voice for Visual Studio. Like, if that's the place mm-hmm. you go and make requests for features, is that still true? Is that the, well, is that we, the way?
2: Yeah, we used to use uh, user voice.visualstudio.com. Yeah. If you go there now, I think it says it no longer exists. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we transferred all that to something called developer community. So developer community.visualstudio.com. Okay. So if you're in visual studio and you go up to the help menu and you can say send feedback and that will take you to developer community. And so that's actually, a, um, so that's a, our own website for tracking feature requests and bug reports. And it is integrates directly into our own Azure DevOps system for bug tracking. So, if you open a bug on something on the let's say the editor like IntelliSense is not working the way you think it should be, work right that that ticket you open up on developer community actually ends up on the editor team as uh, Azure DevOps like along the side of any other bug that they have nice so it's a very deep integration into that and it's it's pretty uh it proves to be pretty effective
1: well it's dur- you know it's not a it's not a separation it's just a direct view into your actual Issue maintenance system.
2: Yeah, type of almost, almost. There's a there's some uh, there's some automation processes that kind of synchronizes the two. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that's basically what it is, and so it's pretty fantastic. Um, a lot of people they think uh, you know because we didn't fix their bug or whatever that you know that we don't listen or anything like that. But it turns out we actually fix uh, up to seven hundred bugs per update to Visual Studio coming from the wow. users that's like, user like quarterly.
1: Reporter. Wow, then. Yeah.
2: No, yeah, quarterly like every two months. Jeez. Okay.
1: Well, so what is that then? Bi-monthly? All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I just pa- I just went to the developer community for Visual Studio and it says 132,000 items.
2: Yes. <laughs> That's a lot of items. Sep- Sess annually. Well, three 3000 new ones right per um, per month so
1: okay wow.
2: do the math it like adds up but that's only visual studio so developer community also tracks uh, all the uh, feedback for visual studio for mac and azure devops so it's different products that's represented there
1: oh yeah okay that's a challenge because it's j- cuz just says visual studio well actually no i'm looking at visual studio visual studio for mac has a different entry and only yep. 9000 items only only. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: So we're dealing with a lot of stuff to be, and so I think it's really interesting. Like, how can, how can the extensibility, and 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 the developer community, how can they, like, help each other out? And so, I was playing around with an idea of like, what if some of those ideas that people have, some of the feature requests that are kind of small in nature, some of the ones that are, maybe not the highest priority, uh, how can we make that happen anyway? So what if we somehow marry up the extension authors out there, the community of extension authors to start picking up, picking off the list of, of let's say low high hanging mm. fruit or, or things that are like lower priority from the developer mm. community so that we can have those features available so that, you know, everybody v- wins you will. If you want the feature, you install the extension and, uh, and, and off you go, right. You're happy. Uh, so that's a thing that I'm playing around with. And, um, I have this new extension, uh, yeah, new. It's like six months old. It's called tweaks. And it's, it's kind of an attempt to say, okay, what if we take all the tiny things, tiny feature requests people have? Like 20, they're just basically, can you tweak this a little bit right. to be a little mm-hmm. bit better? But they might be too small to be like an extension of mm-hmm. its own that mm-hmm. people would go to the marketplace to download. So what, but what if you take a bunch of these and you put them together in a single extension? And so that's exactly what tweaks does it it gives you a bunch of of tweaks to visual studio that are all um feature requests from the community and uh, for instance something as simple as you know when you debug you know you know you have the debug toolbar that comes up automatically well you should have a toggle button for enabling or disabling just my code right right? so it adds that button right there or in the output window wouldn't it be nice if you can set the uh, build verbosity level from minimum to quiet to? Like from the output window, instead of having to go into tools options and find out where that is. Yeah. So a bunch of those sort of small little things that would just, um, that makes a a big difference to a lot of, well, to some people. I think
0: think in general, the tools options kind of uh, settings metaphor is just hard. I mean, I never, ever go in there except to, uh, you know, things where I know what to do. There's no discoverability in a thing like that. Nobody's going to sit and look through all of those things and having them in the place where they're used and where they make sense and where in the process you're using them makes all the sense in the world.
2: Absolutely. That's, I think that's actually one of the other, the other features of tweaks is that when you're in the, any text editor, if you're in C sharp or whatever, and you right click, now there's a settings dot, dot, dot menu item at the bottom that takes you straight to the settings for C sharp.
1: Right. Right? Now, you have a discoverability problem. If somebody knows a setting they want to change, mm-hmm. it's no longer in one place where they have to, you know, they're still angry because they have to look through all right. that stuff to find the right <laughs> setting because there's way too many of them. Don't make but them angry. you have to figure out how to get to the context to get to the setting. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's right. That's right. And so, I think uh, th- there's a whole lot we can do there. And, and we know from user data as well that people are not changing settings.
1: No. It's very few nobody people. Nobody goes like, It's Nobody it's, knows
2: them. And, and They also don't know which setting necessarily does what. Like some of it can be a little bit cryptic.
1: Well, they also don't. And the only way to find out if the setting did anything is to back out of all those dialogues. And you're just not convinced you're going to be able to get back there again. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, I'm going to change this and I'll never see it again. And it's going to break everything. It's like I accidentally switched this to Bulgarian and now I can't get through the menus to turn it
2: off. And now no (laughs) means yes and yes means no.
0: What's going on?
2: (laughs) So it's something that we've talked about for years to update, to make smarter um, and to separate. So each setting is its own, uh, you know, apps like unit, like atomic Mm -hmm. unit. Mm -hmm. Um, So imagine you go to, to the search box up top. And you search for what could it? What could it be? Uh, like turning off um, signature help right. on the text editor, whatever, right? Some setting. So if you search for signature help, it would be nice if you can then toggle that on and off right from the search results instead of having to be sent into the you know. Right. And once they're like that, once they're atomic yeah. like that, they can be used from that search box, but they can be used from like much more contextual. Yeah. Uh, place like oh, I'm I'm doing something in the editor. Could there be a a little gear icon somewhere that give me a little shortcut menu somewhere that I can toggle some some and basic settings back on to off? Clippy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but also, I mean, it's been my experience that generally speaking, when you go searching for help or anything like that in whatever product we're talking about, if when you click on it, it pops a browser, you're about to be disappointed. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. You're not, I am, that is just a signal that says you're about to not find what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not in the app anymore. And and, because often those links have now been changed. Like you're literally Mm. dumped in the wrong place entirely. And, but I also think throwing them out of the app is, it's like an admission of failure. It's like, and then we punted. Welcome to the web. Maybe it can help you. Mm. Mm. Yep.
2: And settings, I think is really interesting because, um, you know, settings for some things are good where you have a lot of people that want different different values of those settings, right? So take something like uh, how you want to format C sharp or JavaScript or something. Well, that is like what style guard are you using? Like that's very different. So having like one setting for everybody wouldn't work in that case. No. You you kind of want people to change certain settings, right, to optimize their productivity. Whereas the another category of settings is like, well, how should Visual Studio kind of behave on on certain things and and I feel like over time, uh, a lot of settings have been added that sh- probably shouldn't have been added. And I always kind of think back to, you guys remember this, the uh, Windows Mobile, good old days, 2003, something like that. You know, we had Pocket PC oh, for yeah. the oh, uh, Palm Pilot kind of GE, thing, and you had yeah. the Windows Mobile, right? The for the, the phone. Was that a thing? Yeah, I Com- pack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, but I don't know if you remember if you ever had a Windows Mobile. Mm-hmm. You had more settings than you had features. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If you ever, if you ever got into the settings, it would, it would, it would be so overwhelming. And it was like, why can I? Why do I have to make so many decisions? Right. Yeah. And then Apple, Apple came out right with the iPhone or the iPod or whatever at around the same time. it's like, oh, it turns out. If we just make the right decisions first, and we're confident in what we're doing, and we, you know, we it's supported by evidence and, and user studies or whatnot, there's no need for those settings. We just we just design it right.
1: Yeah, it instead. works this way. And if you don't agree, you're wrong.
2: <laughs> well, or use a comp- or use a different product, right?
1: Yeah, that's this is not the product for you. Opinionated products.
0: One of my favorite ads on TV in the '90s, and I know I'm old, but. Um, Was this ad for So I guess maybe it was late 80s, early 90s But it was essentially uh, Dad's on a computer, he goes Hey Billy, want to see some dinosaurs? Yeah, dad He's like Huh, okay Copy con Dinosaurs, dad Yeah, 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 hang on a second Config.sys Blah, blah, blah. He says, Dad, can I see some dinosaurs now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on one second. Uh, let's see. Um, BIOS, <laughs> you know, right? And then he goes, Dad, I'm going to Tommy's house. They have a Mac. It's like, ooh. <laughs> and, of course, you know, I've never been a Mac guy. I've always been a PC guy. And twiddling those bits has always been the most fun thing for me. But, you know, that, w- that hit home because – you, they, they really did a good job of uh, just taking all the decisions away from people and and uh, making a product that you drive like a car.
2: Well, they did. And I feel like now they're back to having a bunch of set- settings, right? And all the apps that you install have a bunch of settings. And now finding a setting on an iOS oh, device yeah, is hard, really yeah, hard again. Yeah. So I think from Visual Studio, once you have settings and people like m- make their decision and change them, you can't just remove that setting that easily. Because you're going to, you know, you're, you're moving the cheese of, for some people yeah, and they're not going right. to like it. And so uh, it's really hard once you have the setting there to take it away again. And I think like we've been a little bit guilty in the past, especially in like, instead of being confident and being like, this is the way it works. um, We've basically said, no, we don't want to make that decision. You decide, user, you, yeah. you decide. You and punt. so we gave you a checkbox. Well, I like
0: the fact that you're keeping the the tools options for the people who know how to use it, and now you're just sort of surfacing those settings in the right place, at the right time. I think that's the way to go, man. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, we're we're it's it's a slow process, right? Sure. Because it's one thing at a time, um, one area at the time, and 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 usually we're probably not going to do any of that sort of stuff unless we have to do some work in that area right. anyway. Yeah. Uh, but but again, there's low hanging fruits everywhere, yep. and so. I'm trying to identify that. There's also
1: that you have to do the research to figure out what is the right setting. Like, the punt mm-hmm. is easy because it's like, hey, we, let's not decide. We'll just give them the choice. Mm-hmm. And that which means actually the default is the choice because the vast majority of people will never adjust mm-hmm. it. And, when you know, then it's just an out. When you complain, it's like, well, you can adjust that. Well, maybe you can <laughs> adjust that, but none of us <laughs> even know where to go.
2: Yeah. You know, I kind of like the idea that, you know, you have to you know, uh, sensible defaults. By default, Visual Studio does almost everything correct for your mm-hmm. workflow, right? right? Whoever you are, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing. That's what that's to strive for, I think, obviously. But I also like the idea that if you want something else, that you then have the option to yeah. do that.
1: To go dig no in. No pun
2: intended, but you go to tools options, right? And you can change it, or there's some way that you can change the default. I like that too, mm-hmm. but but I kind of don't, but you don't have to. And you don't need to, most likely. Like, if we can get to that stage, that would be the yep. perfect
1: right. place mm. to be. The default should be always right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where machine learning comes in, right? So, that's something we've we've been thinking about, too. How do we, you know, I, I used to have this thing for many years called, um, it's something that's been, like, in the back of my head. It's, like, the thinking IDE. Like, I've, right. I've used that as kind of a mantra. Like, how do we, how can we be one step ahead of you to offer you what you probably going to need without being in your face or noisy right. about it right uh, or doing it automatically unless we know that we should do it automatically um, I think that's a very interesting because that that can also include settings of course but it can it's more like uh, just being one step ahead so oh you did this and you did that that you know means you know with a high level of probability that you're going to want to do X or Y right Having now. Having a
0: list of advice well, to go to when you need it when you want to You know, is a good idea. I like the, I've I've never liked sort of the tips dialogue because they're never relevant to what I want to do. But if something's watching what I do, like, for example, going to the, you know, the debug menu and building every single time, um, something should come up and say, you know, if you see that habit, like more than 10 times or whatever, somebody should say, hey, did you know about control shift B? You know?
1: Yeah,
2: Exactly. Yep, yeah, exactly. how
1: do you learn shortcut keys? Yeah,
2: so I wrote an extension for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, of course, you did.
2: It's called Learn the Shortcut. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what an obscure name! Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what it
2: so does. Basically, it's, uh... So basically, what it does is that whenever you execute a command, so a command in Visual Studio is basically any button you click or any keyboard shortcut you execute, right? If you if you execute a command like Build, but you do it from like if Carl does it from a context mm. menu, right? Then at the bottom of the like in the status bar, it will tell you you should use Control That's Shift B. So it's not it's not in your no. face or anything. It's just like kind of discreet down but there. But if you feel yeah. like you know um, making
0: yourself more efficient, just glance down.
2: Yeah, and then it keeps a log so that it creates a new pane in the output window. Uh, so it keeps a log of, of the recommendation. So you can just go back and say, "Oh, I did that a lot." It's like having yeah. Scott Hanselman uh,
0: look over your shoulder as you're writing code.
2: Yeah. Kind of. Yes, but this one knows all the shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And Ooh, do you know oh, that you can oh, custom, scotch know, shade right? there, A little scotch you, shade.
2: You do know you can customize the shortcuts, right? And You can, uh, you know, assign your own shortcut keys to whatever sure. you want,
1: right? Which seems like uh, an incredibly bad idea. Yeah.
0: No,
2: uh, I think it's well, good.
0: It depends because sometimes you have yeah. software that installs itself. That um, here's one, ManyCam. I'm using ManyCam right now. Takes over all the shortcut keys that I use in all of my applications, like the simple ones, like Control One. You know, like for Zoom, it can't you Zoom it if I've got yeah. Minicam installed. Control M for build, uh, not build, but uh, mix down in Adobe Audition. Right. That's Minicam takes that yeah. one too. That's a little uh, bad. Yeah, <laughs> that bad.
2: But you can imagine, like, you can change the whole keyboard scheme to be that of, um, you know, IntelliJ mm. or uh, VS Code or Sublime Text or whatever. Right. Like people. There's, there's some built-in, but there's also like you can download whole keyboard schemes yeah. on the marketplace as an extension. Mm-hmm. And so what's true for Scott Hasselman might not be true for whatever installation you got with your keyboard scheme, right? right? So, but learn the shortcut like uh, as an extension will honor your keyboard scheme. <laughs> That's whatever important. Whatever it might be.
0: Yeah, it is. So where do we go and get
2: your extensions again? Uh, marketplace.visualstudio.com. And uh, well, you can always search for Matt's. Right. I do yep. that sometimes when I forget, like, um yeah. what did I find make? my extensions or what I call Your them. Your well, I've stuff. been
1: grabbing the extensions, like the learn to code, it, learn the shortcut, as we've been talking. And that's exactly what I search on. You know, Matt's, Matt's case. Learn, Learn, yeah, learn the shortcut. Yeah, just Matt's. Boom, yeah. there I was. Yeah. Oh, you're the only Mads. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, I know Torgerson. who might have words with you about that.
2: Well, he's not. A, he hasn't written a Visual Studio extension yet. That is true. Okay. So <laughs> he's above that, <laughs> or he does it in, under an he alias. The second, language
0: second. that you use to write the extension.
2: Subtle difference. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yes. Different thing. Totally different. And I think I have over. I have over 140 now. That's so cool. Awesome. So that's a. Uh, it's getting up there, like the the show I have on Fridays I think every other Friday I end up like publishing a new extension because we've been building it together mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. coding right so uh, I would love fun. to come
0: on your show and do a music to code by extension with you can I do that
2: yeah should we do it yeah
0: that would be a ton of fun I would watch that i yeah right and i'd use it too cuz you know i have these mp3 files somewhere on my desk and you know i have to load them up in a player and put it on repeat no man I just want to push the the red button, not the green button, and off it goes. Or the blue the blue button.
2: That's that. You know, I'll 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 make a note of that, and I'll put that on the uh, calendar. It it's, it would be an extremely easy extension to sure. write. Like it would take no time. What would take long was to figure out how to do the playlist. Well, yeah, the
0: playlist, and you know, I'm thinking download the file if it's not already local, and if it is local, just run it, just read it from local. And you know, get yeah. the list from RSS.
2: So it could be, it could be, it could be that you have a a file in your user profile that lists URL to mm-hmm. MP3s, and so it goes in and downloads them one at a time and just plays them.
0: Well, you get that from an RSS feed or a, you know an API call or something.
2: But that means you can only listen to your music. But whoever controls the RSS feed controls what the extension user listens to. No, I'm
0: thinking a URL that hasn't the RSS, so they. Go get the metadata, li- the list of files from a website, and then that would have- And then
1: you get into a whole game of, like, here's my playlist when I code versus your God playlist yeah. when I code. Because like, some people code to Swedish thrash metal. That's true. I don't know why, yeah. but they do.
2: Oh, I thought everyone did that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it Norwegian? Thrash yeah.
1: Yeah. So, no, okay. It's a <laughs>
0: right. thrash metal. I don't know. It's you like, have to be right. bald and your name has to be Hans yeah
2: (laughs) Uh, that's a good idea that would we could we could whip that one up real quick frank that's a fun idea guys i love it yep cool um what else so we'll but we'll have to be smart about it because you know you probably want to pause the music when certain events happen for instance nowadays the test runner explorer in visual studio actually hooks into the windows sounds Mm -hmm. so you can have windows play a beep or whatever whatever sound you want like mp3 Mm -hmm. even uh whenever a test Run complete successfully, or whenever it <laughs> fails.
0: All right. I can think of a few good ones for the failure. Yeah, Thanks. no, there's your chat. No. It's
1: all half the sounds out coming out of the studio now. Sad <laughs> trombone. Yeah, it's an. Oh, no,
0: that's the low hanging fruit, dude. I was thinking something more extreme. Yeah, no,
1: I then there's the Hallelujah chorus. That's the other <laughs> side of that. Right?
2: No, it, it would be it would be super easy to write an extension that would, based on certain events like a build or something like, would play would play a song. We can add like bunch of, of new events to that so it's not just the test runner but it's build and breakpoint hits and what, whatever you oh, want. Yeah. if only
0: there was a short version of brahms requiem you could play when when it fails <laughs> but unfortunately that's a kind of a extended All right, we, can, we can tie this back to
1: hobo motivation now because i used to have a nabes tag that whose ears went down when the build broke yeah. but you know yes i remember, remember that thing? the nabes yeah. tag yeah but it was
2: given out on like conferences. I th- mm-hmm. I remember seeing it oh, like, yeah. on various conferences.
1: Uh, I I finally purged it as e waste some time ago. <laughs> e waste, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's sort of reality. But you know, when we we're going to do automation. It definitely lights should go off. Like the whole house should go. You nice, do the and klaxon and you thing. Play, yeah, playing celebrate and you know.
2: Yep. Yeah. You know, I I have thought about doing that, and it would be it would be relatively easy to hit a mm-hmm. URL. Yeah. Like from. And I know all these systems, like home assistants, or if you have SAMS, if you have the smart mm-hmm. things, yeah. and you use something like WebCore to do all your uh, automation mm-hmm. rules, uh, That then you can also post a URL straight to WebCore to trigger right. something. Mm-hmm. And trigger so the whole house you,
1: to go berserk. It's like, oh, dad broke the build again.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So cool, man. What's uh, what's next? What's new for you? What's coming up?
2: Oh, man. You know, um, right now I'm looking into notifications.
0: Uh-oh because we don't have enough of those.
2: You know, we talked about that a little bit. Well, that's the part of the problem, uh, yeah.
0: isn't it? So you're not saying you're thinking about adding more you're just clearing them out. I'm I'm looking at
2: like how we can clear it out, how we can make them more contextual, how we can make them more relevant. And the keyword here's yeah. relevant. Right. Um because a lot of people get uh, get notifications and they don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's the notification themselves. They get a little toast down in mm. the right corner. Well, that's it doesn't that's not problematic. It, the problem is that it's irrelevant to them. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's not, it doesn't clearly say why it's important or something like that. And here's
0: the thing is the more irrelevant notifications you get, the less likely you are to even care about them, right? You get blind to them after after a while. And then when there is an important one,
1: you never even see it. You're too busy clicking OK. They're like ads and web pages.
2: So you should be able to configure them, right? Say, hey, no, you know, that, that type of notification is like low priority. So don't. Show it in the notification window, that's fine, but don't give me like a toast right. or a yellow bar or something yeah. in my or, face. Or
1: literally interrupt my typing. Oh, mid-change. I hate that. Yes. That's the right. worst. Yep.
2: Like a, a modal dialogue that takes focus, right? It's yeah, like, it takes no, focus
0: no. literally while you're and typing. The worst, like what? the yes, worst, I mean, are the Who m- thought that was a good the idea? The worst ones are the modal dialogues that have an input box, then, then they set focus to it. So, like you're typing and then you hit enter and all of a sudden you've ordered 500 tons of bricks to be shipped to Richard Campbell's house. Oh no, that was yeah. the thing that I s- told Alexa to do yesterday. Sorry. There you go. After you, after you deleted all my yeah. files. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this has been super fun hanging out and geeking out with you. And uh, Mads, thanks so much. You're, you're just like a font of extensions and information and I'm glad that you're uh, hard at work on making Visual Studio better for us.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. this was fun. Anytime if uh, I can come back on and give an update on the latest and greatest, uh, just let me know.
0: Please do. And let's definitely get in touch about uh, your show. All yes. right. Look forward to it. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.